Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. As always, so much to get through. So much to get through. Hope you're prepared. Hope you've poured yourself a nice beverage. Get yourself a snack. Settle in. We could be here for a while. Let's see how we go. Alrighty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next hour and a bit. We'll see how we go. We've got so much to do, so much to get through. I might have to let time run away tonight. We may have to do a little bit of OT, put in an extra hour or so just to cover off all the shit that I've got to go through. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there tonight. Hope you had a lovely day. I certainly have. It's been a very busy day. Lots going on. Plenty going on. You'll be pleased to know, though, we are going to tackle the important issues. And only the important issues tonight on this show. Nothing comical. Nothing asinine. Nothing of low importance, only the best for you, my faithful audience. So just a quick reminder before we do get into it, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by sitting, by sitting, by, <laughs> by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to get in touch, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Like I said, lots to get through. I was going to do something about uh, Christopher Ray's testimony today, but then I thought, why bother? Why bother? Uh, as soon as I heard that he hadn't bothered to read the entirety of the Mueller report, I'm like, well, why should I watch this then? <laughs> that's, that's really what you want to hear, isn't it? When the director of the FBI, the most important investigation in modern American history, so we've been told, with far-reaching ramifications... Yes, Muller is tomorrow. We might do something on Muller tomorrow. We'll see how it plays out. I don't think much is going to happen, though. I think it's going to be pretty milquetoast stuff. That's just my opinion. But I'll be watching, as I'm sure a lot of you will. So Christopher Ray, we discovered today, hasn't bothered to read the entirety of the Muller report. And that's what you want to hear. They've been telling us that this is the most important investigation, the far-reaching ramifications of which will be felt for generations to come, etc., etc., etc. And then we find out that the guy who's top of the FBI essentially thumbed through it while he was on the train. <laughs> yeah, I, I flicked through it. Eh, it's kind of boring. You know, I, I did. I really did want to sit down and read the whole report, but uh, the finale of Game of Thrones was on, and, you know, like I just, you had to be there. I couldn't afford to miss it. So, you know, I, I read the important parts. It's like a kid trying to explain to a teacher... Uh, about the book report that they haven't done. Did you read it? Well, yeah, yeah, most of it. Most of it. No, did you read all of it? Well, not every word, but I got the gist of it. I figured out what was going on. 
you know, I read the I read the summary. I skipped to, you know, the third or fourth paragraph on certain pages. What's the problem? Nothing to see here. I did my job. It's fine. I didn't miss anything important. Are you going to tell me what I missed? I'm the director of the FBI, damn it. So I thought, well, fuck him. Why should we review his testimony when he can't even review the piece of work that he has been charged to review, which is apparently so important that he must review it and that every, we must have these hearings to talk about it? Can't be that big of a deal, can it? Can't be that important, Mr. Ray, can it? So we'll skip right past that. Uh, as the title indicates, yes, we will be going on a ride-along with the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency. You'll be pleased to know CNN planted one of their reporters on a little ride-along with law enforcement to see what goes on, how to see what makes the law enforcement officials tick, and to have a couple of interviews with a couple of people that they apprehend. So I'm looking forward to that. But before we get to that... I do have to tick a couple of boxes first because there is important earth-shattering news, ladies and gentlemen, in the world of engineering that I must bring to you. And this is the kind of show where you get the important info, hot goss off the press. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, don't worry. We'll get to Boris as well. Congratulations, Mr. Johnson. Becoming the next Prime Minister officially now of the United Kingdom. We'll get to him next. But first... I forget who sent me this, so apologies to whoever sent me this. Thank you, but I, I apologize. I can't remember who, who it was. Woman designs chair to stop man spreading. It's about fucking time, right? It's about time. Here is the piece of engineering wizardry. Looks like a chair with two edges nailed onto the side of it. We've got to stop that man spreading. This is an important issue, ladies and gentlemen. A student has designed a chair that stops manspreading and has picked up a top award for her design. Have you ever... Do you ever sit back sometimes and wonder what the purpose of all of these awards is nowadays? You know, there are people designing, you know, bionic limbs. There are people designing 3D printers that can, you know, design an entire house and build an entire house robotically. So who gets the design award? A chick who makes this to stop manspreading. A chair with two bits of wood stuck to the side of it. Layla Laurel, 23, says she was inspired to create the chair. A source of inspiration. Uh, the patriarchy now inspires feminists to, to make chairs. To make uh, chairs that blind carpenters could have cobbled together in 15 minutes in the 1700s. <laughs> which makes use of two cleverly positioned bits of wood following her own experiences of manspreading. There she is, the fantastically talented designer. If you're unaware, manspreading is the term used to describe when some fellas sit with their legs wide apart in public places with a disregard for other people's personal space. It became a talked-about phenomenon back in 2013. So, good news, it only took six years to come up with a solution. The feminists and the social justice warriors of the world, ladies and gentlemen, who want to eradicate manspreading from our public spaces have been hot on the case for six years, and today the solution has landed. Well done. Well done. It was an arduous journey. Hours and hours and hours, thousands of hours of research went into this, but the solution has finally arrived, and she's winning an award for it, you'll be pleased to know. It became a talked-about phenomenon back in 2013 and has ever since been added to the Oxford English Dictionary. 
Laurel, who is set to graduate with a degree in 3D design and craft from the University of Brighton later this month, said it came from both my own experiences of men infringing on my space in public and also the Everyday Sexism Project, a website founded by Laura Bates in which women self-testify about sexism they experience. With my chair, I hope to draw awareness to the act of sitting for men and women and inspire discussion around this, because this is the kind of discussion we need to have. This is a discussion that is long overdue. <laughs> and hopefully, when men are forced to sit like this guy on the right, and women sit like that on the left, you can, you can see what kind of problem sitting with your legs slightly apart might create in, in the world, right? You can see how this kind of discussion is long overdue. <laughs> she wants to inspire discussion. If you were wondering, incidentally, what a degree in 3D design and craft from the University of Brighton might get you, it's that. <laughs> it's that. See, if I hear of somebody with a degree in 3D design and craft, again, I'm thinking of like 3D printers, laser-guided cutting saws, the whole shebang. I'm not thinking about taking a chair and sticking two bits of wood to the side of it. Done. Done. Oh my God, it's inspirational. Straight A's for you. What's What the hell is this chair for? To stop manspreading? My God, I can't believe it. I can't believe somebody didn't think of it sooner. You're a genius, young lady. <laughs> Here, have an award. Have an award for your inspirational design. Her work has been awarded the Belmond Award for Emerging Talent, with a judging panel saying Laurel's chair was, quote, a bold, purpose-driven design that explores the important role of design in informing space, a person's behaviour, and society issues of today. A society issue. <laughs> is it just me, or is uh, appealing to the you know, the made up, the pretend, quote unquote, societal issues of today, just a golden ticket to get top marks and awards in fields of study where they ought not be. You know what I mean? Like, how about designing something that helps, um, you know, crippled people get upstairs or something like that? Now, now there's a societal issue. Helping the handicapped get around, for example. No, 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 no. Uh, I want to address the societal issue of men who sit with their, their legs slightly ajar because their testicles will get crushed if they don't. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm going after. Because it's the patriarchy, because it's sexism and bigotry. It's those awful men not caring about getting in other people's spaces. Winning the award at such a prestigious event, which is recognised by the professional design community, I knew I always hated uh, designers. Now, now I have evidence. Now I have confirmation of why I don't like designers. <laughs> Was an amazing achievement for our students and university. An amazing achievement, ladies and gentlemen. This. This here. A degree in 3D design and engineering. An amazing achievement to tackle societal issues. Literally a chair with two bits of wood stuck to the side of it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 
they've been trying so hard for the longest time to get us to take this shit seriously. But when this when this is the award winning inspirational engineering solution of our age, how the hell can you take it seriously? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Rapunzel in the chat says, real men prefer lazy boy recliners. I, I can agree to that. I can absolutely agree to that. Uh, Laurel hasn't stopped there with her chair design either. Oh, good. She's created a second seat intended for women, which in <coughs> which is which encourages them to sit with their legs a little wider apart. I thought that's what we were trying to eradicate. I thought the problem was people sitting with their legs too far apart which infringes on the personal space of the people next to them. So she's designed a chair for the men to sit with, sit with their legs closer together and designed a chair for a woman to sit with her legs further apart. So there's no such thing as woman spreading. Woman spreading needs to be encouraged. <laughs> you know, it's a societal issue, men infringing on the personal space of those around them. Uh, what we really need to do is encourage women to infringe on the personal spaces of men. Yeah, that's award-winning engineering right there, folks. Congratulations, young lady. You will go down in the annals of history as an inspiration to us all. Absolutely sensational stuff. Uh, that article will be in the show notes, just like everything else we refer to. Let's get to Boris. BJ, it's official. We touched on Boris yesterday, but now he has officially got the job. Boris Johnson, there he is. He's such a lad. He's such a lad. Boris Johnson to take leadership of Britain in deep crisis. Deep crisis. Boris Johnson, the brash standard bearer for a British exit from the European Union, won the contest to become the next Prime Minister on Tuesday at a critical moment in his country's history and with less political clout than just about any of its world leaders since, second, since the Second World War. His Conservative Party holds only a slim working majority in Parliament, but he has nonetheless promised to carry out Britain's labyrinth exit from the European Union by October 31, a challenge that confounded his predecessor, Prime Minister Theresa May, for three years as she held office. Well, I think for Boris it's going to be very simple. If Boris gets Britain out of the EU... By October 31, I suspect he will stay on and I suspect that the Tories will win the next election. Because when Brexit is taken off the table as an issue, his opponents, the Labour Party, lose one of the most effective weapons that they've had for beating the Tories over the head for the last three years. Even though the Brexit vote only got up because of Labour voters in the northeast of the country. Interesting. It's a very tantalising little powder keg ready to explode over there in the UK. The Brexit issue is not a strictly partisan issue. Lots of Tories want to remain. Lots of Labour voters want to leave. It's very difficult. So you'll have local members on the left and the right arguing for leave and remain. But I suspect if Boris Johnson gets the job done by October 31st, and I'm 50-50 on it, I don't know if he will or not. I don't know if he will. If he doesn't, he will be handing the Brexit party, led by Nigel Farage, a golden ticket to run riot over the Tories in the upcoming general election, which I think is in about 18 months from now, but I could be corrected on that. He will also enter 10 Downing Street at a moment when the country is confronting a crisis with Iran over its seizure last week of a British-flagged oil tanker 
threatening to draw Britain into a larger showdown between Tehran and Washington. The new Prime Minister inheriting these challenges is arguably the most improvisational and least predictable politician in recent British history. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? People perhaps opting for the the politician which is less likely to just regurgitate the focus group lines. A politician who is less likely to just do what all of the other politicians do. Does that sound familiar to you in any way? Where have we seen this before? I just can't put my finger on it. Strangest thing. Let's hear a little bit from Boris. His victory speech today as he was named the winner of the long drawn out process to decide who will become the leader of the Conservative Party. Jeremy Hunt, 46,656. Boris Johnson, 92,153. Smacked him. And therefore I give notice that Boris Johnson is elected as the leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. It's all very polite, isn't it, in Britain? want to give a shout out to my bay, my woke bay, Karen, at Denver Knight. If you're not following Denver Knight, you absolutely should. If you enjoy entertaining rants and passion, then you will love Karen, as we all do. But none so much as me, as I do. <laughs> Hi, Karen. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. Okay, right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Charles. Thank you very much, Brandon, for a fantastic Fantastic, well-organised campaign. I think it, it, it was a lot of credit, well as, as Brandon has just said, to our party, to our values and to uh, I, our ideals. But I want to begin by thanking my <laughs> opponent, Jeremy. By common consent, an absolutely formidable campaigner and a great leader and a great politician. Jeremy, in the course of 20 hustings, in more, I mean 20 hustings or hustings style the hustings are little debates that they engage in around the country. They had 20 of them. but And despite the, one of the funniest things, you know, the corporate press is pretty bad in Australia. It's pretty bad in America. It's really rank in the UK. That's why I prefer to read the ridiculous British tabloids that will accuse Boris Johnson of being a time-travelling prostitute. You know what I mean? I get more out of that than I do their legitimate, quote-unquote, authoritative press sources. But nonetheless, uh, he engaged in 20 around 20, debates around the country with his opponent and was then accused of dodging a debate on television. <laughs> on LBC. We played the clip. The radio host, why, why are you, Mr. Johnson, why are you ducking out of a debate with Jeremy? Are you afraid? Are you cowardly? And he's like, why am I ducking out of it? We're doing 20 debates around the country in the next two months. 20. <laughs> yes, but why aren't you doing a debate on television? <laughs> Are you a coward? Are you a coward, sir? And Boris is like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> 20 debates is not enough. You need to do 21. And then when you do 21, why aren't you doing the 22nd debate? Are you a coward, sir? So uh, they've, they've been doing their absolute best to try and chop this guy down. Again, 
it's very familiar. Here you have a politician with um, not necessarily a politician's filter when it comes to speaking publicly. A guy who might be a little unpredictable in the things that he says and the approaches that he takes to his opponents. And you also have this, this strange thing of the corporate press trying to cut the guy down with ridiculous reporting and smear campaigns over the last two months. It reminds me of something, but I can't put my finger on it. You know, I could have sworn I've seen this kind of behavior before, like almost an exact carbon copy. But I just can't seem to place where it where it was. Can't seem to can't seem to recall. You know the I can't recall the the likeness here. I can't remember who else might have been through something similar to this. It's very strange. I know it's out there though. Somebody will think of it. Events. It was more than three thousand miles, by the way. It was about seven thousand miles uh, that we did crisscrossing uh, the country. You've been friendly. You've been good-natured. Someone in the chat saying his barber has got to be blind, but isn't that a patriotic, isn't that the Beatles haircut? <laughs> like the sticking the bowl on top, the soup bowl on their hair and just head and just cutting around the edge? So he's, he's, he's being very patriotic, very reminiscent of the Beatles in the 1960s. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he's going for. <laughs> yes, the haircut is fucking awful. <laughs> You've been a font of excellent ideas, all of which I propose to steal. Uh, <laughs> and above all, I want to thank our outgoing leader, Theresa May. You've been a font of excellent ideas, all of which I am going to steal. <laughs> so let me show you this clip from about a week ago during one of these uh, huskings, I think they call them, during one of these impromptu debates. Uh, this is a little taste of what Boris Johnson is like. I want you to consider this Kipper. <laughs> this kipper, which has been presented to me by, just now by the editor of a national newspaper, who received it from a kipper smoker in the Isle of Man, who is utterly furious because after decades of sending kippers like this through the post, he has had his costs massively increased by Brussels bureaucrats who have insisted that each kipper must be accompanied by a this a plastic ice pillow. <laughs> pointless, pointless, expensive, environmentally damaging elfin safety, ladies and <laughs> He brings a fish he brings a fish to his debates, does Boris Johnson. Uh, after he won the vote officially, CNN did what they do best. It's time it's time for a little hit piece and a little mocking of the new leader. Bombastic, blonde, one of Brexit. He he hasn't even moved his stuff into number 10 Downing Street yet. He hasn't even moved his shit in the front door. Hasn't even got his computer on the desk. And we're already we're already ready to roll. It's big backers. Alexander Boris Defeffel Johnson is known But I'm going to put it to you. Like uh, myself and the flying Hawaiian often talk about on Trust and Verify, the things that they think they're attacking Donald Trump for actually make him more appealing. And it's a, it's a mistake that they repeat over and over and over and over again. And gone are the days of, a, gone are the days of when politicians could appeal to a broad section and a mass group of voters by being extremely polished, extremely rehearsed, right? All of your little slogans and your little sayings or focus groups, people can now sniff that, um, 
people can now they they can smell that inauthentic quality to you. You know what I mean? And people are actually craving for something that's a little bit more dangerous. Not dangerous in terms of oh, we're all going to die, but a little bit more unpredictable, a little bit more natural. People are crying out for natural likability in their politicians. And Johnson's been around for a long time. And I suspect if this happened 10 years ago, then there's no chance at all that he would be Prime Minister now. But what's happened is, you know, the mood of society has come around to him. He hasn't really changed. But the mood of the people has changed. Their expectations have changed. Same thing applies to Trump. And when people say, oh, Trump shouldn't ever have got elected, this is awful, this is horrible, blah, 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 blah. I've always said, hey, the the reason if the if the two major parties had have actually done their job, there would be no need for a Donald Trump to arrive on the scene. Donald Trump wouldn't have got elected 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But the mood of the people has changed. The expectations of people have changed. And therefore, you know, they're going to elect, they're going to vote according to their expectations and their mood. Same thing applies with Boris Johnson. He hasn't really changed, but the people have. And now they want somebody that has a genuine, authentic quality to them, even if it's a little gaff-prone, even if it can be a little foolish from time to time, even if it's a little bit clumsy. They're ready for it. Because people look at themselves, and we, as people, are a little gaff-prone and a little foolish sometimes and a little clumsy in what we say and how we say it. And we don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And quite frankly, we're sick of people trying to hyper-analyze and micromanage everything that we say and everything that we think to the point of people no longer feeling like they have the ability or the right to say what they think. People are done with that shit. It's time for that to go. And so now they're starting to look to their elected leaders to act as a representation of this changing mood, this changing zeitgeist, in my opinion. I could be wrong. But in my opinion. Simply as Boris to the British public. Just Sometimes Boris. called a Marmite politician. You either love him or you hate him. New York born. Marmite is basically Vegemite for those unaware. Eaten bread and Oxford educated. A man gaff prone and unpredictable yeah. enough that the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him bowl over that little kid like it was nothing. Showing off his rugby skills. You've got to be quick to see it. See, Boris Johnson has white line fever. When you get him on the football field, he won't let anybody stand in his way. Opposing politicians, foreign leaders, or 10-year-old kids in headgear. Watch this. An Oxford educated. A man gaffed Go, Boris, go. Unpredictable Crush. <laughs> he ran right over that kid. Well, if the, if the kid didn't want to get hurt, he shouldn't have put on his rugby boots. If, if the kid didn't want to get hurt, he shouldn't have stepped out onto the field. We step out onto the field, we're all equals. <laughs> the phrase, Boris is Boris, has become an adage in British politics. Born into a political family, Eurosceptic Johnson spent some of his childhood in Brussels, where he later worked as a journalist. Making a career out of criticising EU rules and regulations, he was fired for fabricating a quote. <laughs> Fuck, he'd get, he'd get, a, he'd get a, an award now. If he was working for CNN, he'd get awards for fabricating quotes. It's what they do on a daily basis. But putting that to one side, don't you love how they say he made a career out of criticising EU laws and EU policies? 
don't you think the the impotence is on impotence <laughs> the impetus is on the EU to not be so easily criticizable to invent a new term do you know what i mean no 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 he made a career out of criticizing the EU well it seems like it was really easy to criticize the EU for the last 10 years if i'm not mistaken right but they don't say that <laughs> he made a career out of it Wow, they certainly served up a lot of fucking uh, material then if people can make a career out of criticising the EU, writing for newspapers. Thank you for giving me so much to work with, I would have said. But in typical Boris style, he landed on his feet, ah. becoming editor of The Spectator magazine and later a member of parliament, making a name for himself as a charismatic maverick in the British media. In a He's definitely pro-Brexit. Nephilim Ninja in the chat asks. Definitely pro-Brexit. Political triumph, he was elected London mayor in 2008, made headlines during the 2012 London Olympics for championing the city of London and getting stuck on a zip wire. <laughs> Say again, they're trying to attack him. He's got British flags, one in each hand, and a couple of British flags tied to his legs. For the London Olympics, he gets stuck on a zip wire. Oh, well, you know, these kind of things happen. What are you going to do? He looks a little foolish, a little clumsy, but God love him. At least, at least you know that he loves his country, right? There aren't many politicians who would be willing to put themselves in this kind of position for the sake of their country. Because of the embarrassment that might come. And he's like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. Go for it. People like that shit. That's regular human shit. Boris Johnson has been referred to as the closest thing Britain has to President Trump because of his populist tone, controversial anti-immigrant rhetoric, likening Muslim women wearing burqas to letterboxes, and cultural faux pas as foreign secretary when he recited colonial-era poetry in former territories of the British Empire. Ah, see, the cultural, the cultural faux pas. He recited colonial-era colonial poetry in former British colony? How could you? How could you? Just a reminder, if you want to know what qualifies as a social faux pas for these people these days, it is uh, putting the American abolitionist independence revolutionary flag on Nike shoes. That's a social faux pas. That's a cultural faux pas. It is uh, Melania Trump wearing a hat that you know, frontier guys used to wear in the 1800s in Africa. That's a cultural faux pas. Basically, uh, you know what else is a cultural faux pas? Starting a burrito van in Portland, Oregon, if you're not a Mexican, that's a cultural faux pas. Basically, everything is a cultural faux pas now. As, as, the, as the terms of what is acceptable get smaller and smaller and smaller, what merely happens is more people spill out over the sides. People spill out over the sides of the acceptable, narrow, narrowing acceptable terms column. And now more people are on the quote-unquote unacceptable side of the ledger, the inappropriate side. And many, many of them are just normal people who say, really? I don't think that's offensive. What's, what's the problem with that poetry? That's a nice poem. Oh, don't you, don't you get it? It's colonial, it's racist, it's about white supremacy. Don't you fucking understand? Aren't you woke, man? And people who are just normal go, oh, God, really? I just think it's a nice poem. Why can't he say a nice poem? Oh, oh, what are you, some kind of bigot? 
Are you a Nazi, bro? It's like, so there's there's a couple more people who spill out over the side and are now on the inappropriate, unacceptable speech side of the ledger. This was always going to happen. Political correctness can only ramp up. If you're a progressive, you need to be constantly moving. You need to be constantly changing. You need to be constantly evolving. So it was always going to get smaller and narrower and tighter and more constrictive because it has to. Because the day that you stop and say, okay, we've got enough progress now, you become a conservative, right? Okay, I think we've progressed as much as we have to. I think we've progressed as far as we need to go. Let's just keep things the way they are. And then your fellow comrades will turn and point the gun at you and say, what, are you a conservative now? Come on, we've got to keep going, keep progressing, keep changing. Here's a new microaggression I just discovered. Here's a chair I made to eradicate mansplaining. We've got to keep moving, baby. Got to keep rolling. If we stop, we become one of the M, one of the enemy. We can't allow that to happen. Donald Trump has called him a friend and a good candidate for prime minister. Boris Johnson, I think, would be a great prime minister. Boris's ambition for the top job in British politics has been the worst kept secret in Westminster. And it's now or never. And while Boris... And it is now. So congratulations, Boris Johnson. All right. Let's do our little ride-along. CNN gets a, an inside look at an ICE arrest operation. This should be fun. Let's have a look. Now to a CNN exclusive. We've heard a lot about that wave of arrests targeting undocumented immigrants that was threatened by President Trump. Well, there's no evidence that the raids materialized, oh. at least not yet. Ah. And our Paul Verkamen was told everything involving... It's another manufactured crisis. ICE and their arrest and removal operations is routine right now in Southern California. So to show you the... <laughs> General Eaton nails it. Okay, everyone, no more taxes, regulations or being offended. That's enough. We've arrived. It'll never happen. If you're a progressive, that can't happen. Progressives are on... A, they're on a train and tracks leading over the horizon. And they say that they're on their way to a station where everybody is equal and everybody gets along and everything is fair and everything is tolerant and everything is just perfect. And they're like, just a little further. Let's just, just go over the horizon one more time and I swear the station will be there. But the station never arrives. It's a train ride that just doesn't stop. Just got to keep going, keep moving forward, keep progressing, keep progressing. Just one more trip over the horizon, we'll get there. Okay, not this time. Then just one more, just one. Well, let's just keep going. This is this is the paradox. This is the inherent flaw of utopian thinking, right? Because if you are a utopian, in so much as you are a progressive, meaning that if we just change all of these things in society over time, then eventually we'll live in a perfect society. Eventually we'll have everything that we want. The thing about utopianism is once you get to utopia, it ceases to exist. Utopia as is defined as an unreachable, an unreachable idealistic goal. So once you say that you've reached utopia, there is no utopia, right? Utopian thinking, inherent in utopian thinking, is the quest to always get there. But definitionally, utopia means you can never arrive. Once you get there, there'll be a new utopia. 
So the challenge for progressive politicians is to constantly dangle treats in front of their voters and say, if you just change this, then you can then you can have utopia. If you just follow me a little more, dangling the carrot in front of the mule to get it to walk forward. And it'll walk over hot coals, it'll walk off a cliff, it'll walk off a jetty into the ocean. But its eyes are right there, just staring at the carrot that's being dangled in front of them. And once the donkey gets the carrot, then what? What happens then? The idea of the carrot, the idea of the utopia ceases to exist. It's gone. So it'll never happen. They'll never arrive. They'll just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until they don't. <laughs> or until somebody pushes back, which is generally what happens in society throughout human history. People push until um, a whole bunch of people don't want them to push no more, and then they push them right back to the start, often violently, is the lesson that we can learn from history. Anatomy of a typical day for immigration and customs enforcement. Officers, Paul caught up with ICE agents before the sun came up this morning, and Paul, you were at- Got his little CNN cap on there. I didn't know CNN did merchandise. Were you aware of this? Actually there- But that's a hot item in the shop. When ICE agents made some arrests. That's exactly right, Anna. And what they told us, this has nothing to do with any threatened raids and that they didn't do anything special for us <laughs> because the cameras were rolling. And what we This has nothing to do with anything. We haven't changed anything because the cameras are rolling. This is just a very typical day with the CNN news crew. We saw as they had targeted four individuals. One of them was too far away and time had lapsed. So then they went ahead and they arrested three of their targets. All of them, as they say, had criminal records. Ah. It started off with a man arrested a little after sunup on the streets. In this particular instance, they said the suspect had been removed at least six times. Six times before. <laughs> six times deported. Six times. The suspect has been removed at least, at least six times. It could be more. But six that we know of. Six that we are sure of. Before, and when we found that suspect, he was arrested almost with a sense of resignation. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh, not again! <laughs> Damn it, I didn't think they'd catch me this time. I mean, if you get caught six times for the same offence, don't you think it's time to make some evaluation? Don't you think it's time to make some changes in your life? Six times for the same thing? That's insane. How could you get caught six times? Like, does he just keep moving back to the same house? Does, does he keep going back to the exact same neighbourhood, going back to his job? Hey, where's Jose? Oh, he, he got deported again. Don't worry, he'll be back next week. Well, this is coming out of his pay. So he gets picked up, whisked off to the to the ice facility, gets shipped back to wherever he came from, and then he just wanders back over the border again. <laughs> Straight back to work. Don't don't do anything in the house. I'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> Six times. I tell them if they were in the exact situation I'm in, get information, you know. Mm. Make sure that if they have an opportunity to become a citizen, do that. Uh, that was my biggest mistake, not, not being able to, not having anybody to tell me that that's the route they had to take. Uh, 
So the guy who's been the guy who's been deported six times for being in the country illegally. He doesn't say that his biggest mistake is entering the country illegally. In his opinion, his biggest mistake was not being able to find anybody to give him the right information to get citizenship. <laughs> Six fucking times. <laughs> okay, maybe after the first time, I would buy that. Even after the second time, I might buy that. But come on, man. Arrest number three, arrest number four, arrest number five, and now finally on arrest... No, this would be arrest number seven because he's previously six times. So on the seventh arrest... He says, well, you know, my biggest mistake was there just isn't enough information out there for guys like me to figure out how I can get a citizenship. That's the problem. The bureaucracy, man. The bureaucracy isn't giving me my paperwork. I mean, I'm, I've been in the same house for the last six arrests. I'm easy to find. Come find me, bro. Come find me. Give me the paperwork so I can stay legally. I mean, fuck this government. They're just so racist and bigoted, aren't they? They need to do more for people like me. They need to make it easier for me to get my citizenship. It's just not fair. That's my biggest mistake. And uh, just try to uh, try to become a citizen. Try to become a citizen. And, uh, follow the rules. Follow the rules. <laughs> follow the rules. I'm just going to follow the rules and become a citizen. Next time, next time I enter the country illegally, that's when I'll follow the rules and become a citizen. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Jose. And as the operation continued, we were inside a detention facility, not the type at the border, but one in downtown uh. Los Angeles. And they brought in a woman, a mother of three, they say had been convicted of drug charges. She is a legal resident with a green card and she will go before a judge at some point, but she was obviously dejected. Right. I have three kids born here, um, 10, seven and 14. Mm -hmm. And they go to school, I go to work. Selling drugs. <laughs> he has drugs charges. They go to school, I go to work, and then I get high as a fucking kite, man. Yeah, regular life. Regular life. Just a regular mum. Just a regular life. Three kids, what were they? 14, 10, and 7. 14, 10, and 7. I go to work and then get arrested and held in a detention facility for drugs charges. Just just a regular life. Just a regular hard-working mum. What are you coming after me for? I didn't do nothing wrong. In light of your separation from your family, if you could uh, you know, talk to the judge or anybody right now, what would you tell them? That I She's being separated from the family because of the drugs charges. See the way the question is presented? In light of the separation from your family, what do you hope to tell the judge? I, I guarantee if it's, in, if it's in California, she'll probably get off. She'll probably get sent home. Look, here's, here's 20 hours community service. You poor, you poor thing. Um, off you go. Back to your children. We don't want to separate you from your children. That's something that the Nazi Donald Trump would do. So we're not going to do that, right? So she'll probably get off. But she put herself in this place. And my kids need me. My kids need me. <laughs> do they? I don't want to sound harsh, but uh, do kids really need um, drug-o mums? I'm not sure. Do do kids really need mums who get arrested for drugs charges when they've got a green card, knowing the risk that would come if you get arrested on a drugs charge with the ability for them to deport you? Do, do, do kids really need a mum like that? 
just just put just throwing it out there. Just curious. They need me. They need me. See now the tears, right? Now the tears. CNN is so bad at this that they needed to find a woman who is arrested on federal drugs charges to uh, act as their sympathy lightning rod. You know what I mean? To act as the figure and the face of Donald Trump's bigotry for everybody in the audience to rally around. Oh, you poor thing. You poor thing. Wait, you've got a 7, a 10, and a 14-year-old at home? And you've got federal drug... You're being charged with federal drug offences? Um, You're not the victim here, right? Arguably, the children are the victims. Oh, we can't separate children from their parents. Really? Really? Like, I provide for them. I provide for them. <laughs> I provide. I provide for them. I'm a good mum. I'm a good mum. I provide for them. <laughs> All the weed they can smoke. And she says going forward, those children will go to their fathers, plural. Now, the ice... <laughs> that was a bitch slap from CNN. I think that was a little bit of a bitch slap from this guy. They will go to their fathers, plural. Just had to throw that in there, didn't they? He could have said go to family members. I would expect them to say the children will go to family members. That would be a more PC way and a more, you know, dignified way of saying it to protect the, you know, the integrity of the young lady who was a victim of her own drugs charges. Her family needs her. Agent in charge of all this. This is the deputy. This is the field director in the Los Angeles okay. sector. He told us exactly why they arrested this woman. However, she's been convicted of narcotic, or narcotic trafficking crimes that make her subject to removal. <laughs> Narcotics trafficking. She's a drug dealer. She's a drug dealer. Convicted. Not charged. Not going before the court. Convicted drug dealer. <laughs> My children need me. You know, I just go to work every day. My children go with just a regular family. My kids go to school, and I just go to work. Hey, motherfucker, you want this bag? I got some good shit right here. This shit will blow your head off, motherfucker. I got the good shit right here, Holmes. Yeah, man, this is like some fucking... This is like some Colombian shit here, Holmes. This motherfucker will have your, make your fucking head explode, motherfucker. I just go to work, man. Just like a regular mum. Just like a regular mum. Jose, make sure you get more baggies at the store. Mama's nearly out of baggies, sweetheart. I got a guy coming over tonight. I got a guy coming over tonight. We need to cut up that ounce now. No, no, you can't go to school today. I need you here running the family business. I need some more plastic bags. Have you got any more of those tires, Jose? Why don't you run on down to the store, get some more baggies and some more tires. Mama gonna, mama gonna set up a new set of scales over here. Just a regular mama, just go to work. Hey, got this Colombian shit here, homie. You're gonna love this shit, man. Make you chew your teeth out, motherfucker. 
is in tears. She has three children. Uh, what is it like for you when you know that a family could be divided? She, she's in tears. She has three children. What is it like for you when you know a family? We should just let her go. Let her go then. Let her go. Let her keep selling drugs. Let the kids keep coming home and living in a house where the mother sells drugs. Just let her go. You know why? Because she's crying, guys. I mean, she's in tears. The family could be separated. I mean, it's awful. What is it like for you, you KKK Nazi bigot? Do you get some kind of sick pleasure out of separating these children from their mother? Their mother need... They need their mother. They need their mother. How does it make you feel? Separated. So that's where the human element comes in, right? Our officers, they're human beings too, and they understand that. But we have the job to do, and we do it professionally, and we do it with compassion. So understanding the uh, challenges, that there's children, that there's on the other, other family members, right? We'll do everything that, that we can to make sure, again, that that, that person's treated with the, with the re respect and dignity that they deserve. But again, knowing that they are criminal aliens and they have to answer for those crimes. Yeah, who would have thought, newsflash, who would have thought um, selling narcotics and being convicted of the federal crime of being a drug dealer, a, a narcotics trafficker, um, may get you separated from your children and deported from the country? Who would have fucking thunk it? Who would have thunk it? I want to show you this. This really annoyed me. You are listening to The Daily Boogie. Thank you so much for joining us. Did, who saw this report? Tom late Tom Brady faces backlash for cliff cliff jump with daughter. Let me let me tell you why this annoys the hell out of me. We are going to turn now to that cliff jump sparking a lot of reaction this morning. Reaction. Super Bowl champ Tom Brady posting this video on social media. You can see him. It shows him leaping off a cliff with his, with his six year old daughter. TJ Holmes is here with more. All right, TJ. Tell us oh, what's right. going Johnson on, says TJ. It gives him what's the problem? Okay, look, look. I have to start with uh, no Brady offspring were harmed in the making of this video. Okay, <laughs> let's start with that. <laughs> look, he appears to yank his child, his six-year-old, off a cliff. Now we have a hard time <laughs> criticizing this guy for being a quarterback, but people have no problem now criticizing him as a parent just goes to show like he's not only the greatest of all time when it comes to throwing footballs if you put a, a if you put a six-year-old in his hand he can also throw them a fucking mile too right the, the guy's the best Super Bowl champ Tom Brady is being accused of some bad parenting after he posted this video to Instagram showing him jumping off a cliff with his six-year-old daughter, Vivian. He's, he's being accused of ba bad parenting for jumping off a cliff with his six-year-old daughter. A cliff, like, you know what I mean? It sounds suicidal the way they present it. This is this this kind of shit really annoys me. Somebody puts this on Instagram, right? And you can see after the jump, she's fine, she's laughing, she gives daddy a big hug. Oh my god, that was so scary. Ah. Right? And you get these people that just live in these little caves and they can't wait to jump on their keyboard. Well, I for one am disgusted with this kind of behavior. 
Tom Brady should do some parenting classes because he is putting his children at risk and this is unacceptable in today's world. Hey, I've got news for you. Parents are being told that they're good parents for giving their six and seven-year-olds hormone replacement therapy, right? Oh, you're a good, this is good parenting. This is good parenting. We just saw the parent in the last video. You will have thousands and thousands of people say that it's wrong to separate a convicted drug trafficker from her children. Even though she's guilty, people say you can't separate her from a child. She's a good mum. The children need her. How dare you? But this guy on a like a family trip, you know, holds his daughter's hand and jumps into a, a rock pool. Yay! And all of these people come out of the fucking woodwork, man. Oh, this is disgusting parenting. He should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> it's like, fucking get a life. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Brady posted the video during a family trip to Costa Rica and captioned the leap saying, if she's going to be an Olympic champion one day, it probably won't be in synchronized diving. <laughs> probably won't be in synchronized diving. Daddy always gives her a 10, though. But his 6 million followers were quick to chime in, saying the star was being irresponsible. Bad parenting. Bad his parenting. daughter almost broke her arm. NFL should consider punishment, one user wrote. <sighs> Another saying, not the smartest move. She could have been hurt. Next time, wait to make sure she's jumping, too. Who the fuck are these people giving their advice? You know, offering, offering their wisdom on Instagram. You know, Long John 66 said, you know, that's not the greatest move, Tom. Tom, how about you wait until she's ready to jump to next time? Dangerous stuff, man. Not cool, bro. It's like, who the fuck are you? Did I ask you for parenting advice? Just watch the video. And if you don't like it, fucking move on. Nobody asked you for your wisdom. <laughs> this, it's, it's a cancer in society now. And I don't know if it's the interactive nature of social media or what it is, but it's like there is contagious busybodiness around us. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's a busybody now. Everybody wants to pry in and find out what you're doing, and they all have their own little opinion about how you can do your family shit better. It's like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> That's If I was Tom Brady, that would have been my next post. To all the people saying that I shouldn't do this and this is wrong, uh, question, who the fuck are you? I'm Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. <laughs> Even Brady's celebrity friends chimed in. Oh. You know I have complete faith. The, the Rock. The Rock doesn't like it. <laughs> the, guy, the guy who inspired millions of young boys to throw themselves, to hit each other with chairs and throw themselves off roofs trying to emulate their pro wrestling heroes. Uh, the, the guy who's, who's, who's earned millions of dollars while children all around the world punch each other in the face and put each other in leg locks and do, you know, slams onto the, onto the carpet emulating professional wrestling. He has a problem with this. Ah, oh, okay. The Rock's like, hey, man, you know, this isn't cool, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Rocky. Fuck off. <laughs> maybe, Rocky, maybe next time I'll body slam her through the kitchen table. How about that, man? 
would that be acceptable? Would that be all right? And you as a man, friend, player, and father, but this just gave me anxiety. Jesus. Dwayne Johnson wrote that, while Diddy simply added a Diddy. crying face emoji. Uh, that's a laughing face emoji, you fucking, <laughs> you incompetent hack. <laughs> it's crying laughing. Crying laughing. How can, How do you get a job reporting on what people do on Instagram and not know your emojis? How is that even a thing? How is that possible? These are the people who are telling us what is right and wrong in today's world? Diddy put a crying face emoji. No, he didn't. It's a laughing face. You see you see the happiness in the emoji there? Jesus. Emoji. Are you going to jump off? And this isn't the first time Brady has taken the plunge. In 2015, the six-time Super Bowl champ jumped about 40 feet off another cliff in Costa Rica, sending fans into a craze. Brady <laughs> even tweeted after that one, Never doing that again. Unless, Hashtag Air Brady. Unless it's dragging my six-year-old over the cliff with me. Yeah. <laughs> now, since that post with his daughter, he has posted a couple more uh, times on Instagram. He seemed like he has moved on, hadn't said anything else about it. Look, uh, it, it's hard to, it might make you cringe a little bit, but who, I wasn't there. We weren't there. We don't know how high it was, where those rocks were, and he yeah, can't question him as, as a dad. He Not would never do anything. Fucking hell. <laughs> I mean, we don't know where the rocks are. We don't know how deep the water is. Oh, look, is everybody still breathing? Fine. End of story. If Brady wants some parenting advice, I'm sure the last place he'll go is fucking Instagram. How about that? (laughs) With that, guys, I had so much more. We're going to carry it all over to tomorrow night's show. We'll go a little bit longer tomorrow night. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, It was an absolute pleasure. I'll be back tomorrow at 11 p.m., by the way, just a quick reminder, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to throw my six-year-old off a cliff, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS for the best 15-minute data downloads on the interwebs. And Chris MacDonald at ChrisMC44 for 44 periscopes a day. Until tomorrow, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.